electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are steady but really don't reflect the news flow. What a morning. Q1 earnings kick off with monster results at JPM and Goldman. FDA meets on the J&J vaccine. Coinbase goes public in a landmark day for crypto. And that's where our roadmap's going to start. Bitcoin top 64,000. The IRS points to crypto in closing the massive tax gap. And of course, Coinbase debuts. Plus, enter earnings with banks in focus, J.P. Morgan, Goldman and Wells Fargo, all releasing their numbers this morning. And shares of Moderna, they're rallying sharply ahead of the open. New data showing its COVID vaccine still highly effective months after you get that second jab. Good news for all of us. Carl. Yeah, some pretty good uh, uh, surveys or at least uh, models coming out of the, the banks on J&J and overall vaccine efforts. But, Jim, let's start with Coinbase. Uh, you heard Brian Armstrong earlier this morning on Squawk. Heard you talking about it a moment ago with Joe. This reference price at 250 uh, below where it was trading in the private markets. Yeah, look, I mean, that's a joke. It doesn't help. It doesn't reference anything. And I was listening to Andrew's unbelievable uh, interview. I mean, you can tell this is the one. This is the scarcity value one. And I wouldn't be surprised if it only gets to 600. That's Lisa Ellis's target. She's been spot on on everything crypto. And it's going to take from initially Square is going to go up because Square's been the way. But it ultimately the way to play Bitcoin, if you're a mutual fund, will not be square anymore. It's too derivative. It will be Coinbase. And a lot of people, I think, are going to be impressed with what Armstrong talks about because he sounds like a banker. He looks like a banker. The CFO is a banker. So suddenly they say, you know what? Uh, let's stop comparing this to the New York Stock Exchange because it's, it's got much more growth. Let's stop comparing it to a, small, uh, a mid-sized bank because it's the only way to play crypto. So, Carl, uh, I say all systems go on this one, and I don't think that reference price should even be in the equation. It's going to go much higher from the get-go. Yeah. You, you mentioned Armstrong talking about institutional growth and the way in which institutional players have come in after retail. Here's what he said on Squawk. Right. Our trading volume is from our institutional customers. And this business is a lot newer for us than our retail business. Um, the institutional business is only about uh, two years old. And we're still earlier in our process of monetizing that customer segment. But, you know, just kind of zooming out from a macro point of view, I think the majority of money in the world is actually tied up in institutions. I think it's maybe 80 or 90 percent. Um, and so we expect that business to be really big over time. It was a response to a question, David, uh, from Andrew about big players uh, like Bill Miller and Dan Loeb getting into the space and also comments about uh, from Peter Thiel about China's at least early dominance in the space. Yeah. Well, listen, when they, you know, years ago, he uh, as as detailed in an interesting journal story this morning, he had indicated he believed it could become a trillion dollar market. We're already past two trillion. Right. Bitcoin's value about half of that, Jim. 
And I think your point's the important one. For those looking for some sort of exposure to the growing importance of cryptocurrency, they're not going to buy the currencies. They're just going to buy this. Yeah. You know what's really great about this, David? It's not just Bitcoin. I mean, you get right. them all. Right. You, you, you get Ethereum, which I actually think is doing incredibly well. And I, I want to know where my money is if I'm doing uh, crypto. And there's a lot of guys who are offering a huge amount of interest. And I wonder how they're going to do, David, if, they're, if you're getting 8% of your money. doesn't it, it, It's a little frightening. That's yeah. not them. That's the other guys. Right. Right. It can be. But go through. I mean, I'm looking here. You know, everybody's starting to build their models on Wall Street and, and revenues in terms of what they're expecting. Twenty one, twenty two. I'm looking at at, uh, at a research number report here. What four point six billion to six point five billion adjusted EBITDA two point four to three point five. I mean, are you using anything, Jim, in terms of what you expect the EBITDA of this company to be in a number of years and discounted cash flow and sort of gets you to a number now? Or are you just saying based on what I assume will be enormous demand for exposure to this industry, this stock's going to go higher? Yes, it's quarterly trading volume that you got uh, that you can use, David. I think that when you start doing any uh, other method other than maybe sales, and even there, I think it's uh, it gets you to fifteen times sales, which I think is very reasonable. That's what I used last night on Mad Money. That's a four hundred seventy-five dollars uh, stock. So that's going to be my base case. That's the base case. And frankly, David, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a mutual fund, aren't you under tremendous pressure to be able to show that you at least yeah. know that there's such a thing as crypto? Yeah. You, you probably, well, Carl, want some, yeah, some form of exposure to it, at least say, hey, we get it. Uh, you know, again, <laughs> Carl, we should point out uh, the experience has been so far, these direct listings, we don't see them actually priced for quite some time. So it could be could be later today before we really see where this <laughs> thing actually opens. Yeah. As for um, as for frictionary uh, friction like. Uh, uh, impediments to growth, guys. We've been through a lot of them in the past few months. The uh, energy uh, energy uh, consumption element. Obviously, there's the uh, u- the suspected use of a of legal activity, and certainly now it's going to be taxes. Jim, you've talked about the tax uh, taxable events that consumers will generate as they use it, and that's what the IRS commissioner talked about yesterday. Take a listen. In 2011, folks were unaware, generally unaware of the term cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and all. There's more than 8,600 cryptocurrencies, virtual currencies, in the marketplace. And the market cap worldwide for cryptocurrencies is almost $2 trillion. If you add those in, I think it would not be outlandish to believe that the actual tax gap could approach and possibly exceed $1 trillion per year. So, Jim, do you, do you sense the IRS sort of rubbing their hands on this? Well, look, they got to very quickly say that if you're paid in this uh, in any of the cryptos, it's not it is not capital gain. It is ordinary income. And if you try to stash them somewhere in one of these uh, outfits that is not Coinbase, they will find you. And I, I think that that one of the things that people have to start recognizing is this thing, as much as you want it to be a storehold of value, uh, it, it is going to be taxable just because I think the IRS is kind of on to it. David, you know, I mean, there, there was a sense that this was in the shadows. Yeah. Once Coinbase, uh, your money in Coinbase, they're going to generate something. They'll generate something that is going to be to the IRS. And even though they are non-bank, they're not going to be able to hide what you make, David. Good. So it's another revenue source. That's important. We need it. Certainly right. spending plenty of money. So uh, we got that going for us, Carl. 
Um, speaking of uh, spending money, guys, uh, we do want to get to uh, the banks in a little bit. Um, I yeah. guess we can start now, guys. I think we're going to do this in the A block. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Dimon, uh, Jim, with uh, comments about the consumer saying cash uh, hoarding customers are, uh, are ready to go, in his words. Uh, economy is primed for a extended run of, uh, of extreme growth, something he highlighted in his letter. Although we're tr still trying to at least uh, separate out from a sentiment basis what these reserve releases mean to the quarter. 5.2 billion. It was a 2.9 in the prior quarter. Right, Matt, I thought that you know, the number was supposed to be 1.5. They did 5.2. Uh, investment mm -hmm. banking. I mean, it's crazy good investment banking. Uh, I, I think that credit card spending, you got to be careful there because uh, consumers are still paying down credit card. Uh, but what's really interesting is, is that the loan demand is not what I was hoping for. Uh, I just think that people, uh, they frankly, the balance sheet's so clean of the American consumer, they don't need loans. Uh, and there's also not a lot of expansion going on among uh, what I would describe as the small to mid-sized bank, uh, small to mid-sized operation. That can change. Uh, but, oh, my God, yeah. $14.3 in profit, Carl. I mean, I, 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 everybody wants to make that. That's a remarkable number. So maybe we should focus just on the fact that the immense profitability of J.P. Morgan versus pretty much any enterprise in the world. So, Carl, I like that. I like the uh, net. I like that unbelievable profits and people may want to sell the stock but they'll come back to it in the end um david don't you think yeah probably i mean listen it is up still 60 percent obviously we all know about the run the stocks have had let's call it since early november um although they have uh, kind of flatlined of late um 23 percent return on equity uh 29 return on tangible common equity I mean, those kinds of numbers, and I want to get to Goldman in a minute because they, their numbers actually exceeded those of J.P. Morgan. They did, as you pointed out, $5.2 billion of net uh, reserve releases. That was anticipated, given all the reserves that were taken a year ago this time by so many of our large financial institutions preparing for the worst. It didn't come. Uh, and so you'll see those releases. Uh, but to your point, Jim, that's an important one. And we'll continue to monitor the call. By the way, I'm told in terms of loan law, in terms of loan demand, sorry, uh, I am told Jamie Dimon traveling. So, by the way, all your competitors out there, you know, be aware he's probably traveling to talk to uh, clients. I'm hearing that a lot now. People are getting back on planes, at least the the leadership to see clients they haven't seen in a long time. But here he, he was talking about loan demand remain challenged. His card outstandings remain lower despite spending covered to pre-COVID levels. So you talked about that, Jim, both uh, both for individuals and, of course, on a, on a, on a larger uh, uh, corporate basis. They've got to start to see that. want to move to Goldman, guys, because those numbers equally, if not even more impressive. And by the way, if you look through them and you say, well, come on, there's got to be something here that is a one time or that's contributing to this. No, uh, that's not the case. Seventeen point seven billion in revenues, net earnings is six point eight four billion earnings per share, eighteen dollars and sixty cents. Uh, book, by the way, it is trading above book. Remember, for a long time, Jim and I would talk about how this stock was trading below book. Book's not 250 $251, but the ROE was 31%. Uh, and everything uh, was performing extraordinarily well. And amazingly, you know, you can do that with only 50% of your employees actually coming into the office. Imagine what they could all do if they actually showed up. Um, and SPACs, guys, we talk so often about it. It certainly is part is. Uh, contributing to the profitability of these investment banks, given both on the issuance side for the IPO, the merger advice side for M&A. But I'm told about only about represents about 15 percent of equity uh, capital markets uh, right now. 
Uh, but year over year, you'd expect that will be down, Jim. Well, look, the thing I liked about it is it's not episodic at all. You're absolutely right, Dave. Totally clean. So if it's not episodic, you can start seeing a $40 number, $40 per share. So what multiple can you give it, even though it's well above tangible book? That's not the way it used to be. How do you not give it a 10 multiple, David? How can you not arrive at at $40 and get a $400 stock? Poke a hole in that, will you? I listen. I know. Why shouldn't it trade at least 10 times? I, I, I can't give you an argument there. Right. I, you know, again, are you going to be able to put up 31 percent ROE? Uh, those are numbers the likes of which we may not see. And it reminds me, remember when we talked about Jeffries in the incredible quarter that smaller investment bank had a few weeks back? Similarly, incredible ROE numbers. Maybe that's not sustainable, but overall, you would anticipate that that uh, perhaps this is deserving of a higher multiple. Jim, these stocks don't seem to move appreciably on earnings, though. They really, no. you know, they just don't. No, they, they don't. No, it, it's almost as if people just kind of say, oh, well, uh, J.P. Morgan, uh, Goldman Sachs. No, it, they should. They, they mumble. They almost as, as confused. But, David, as you said, clean as can be. So, therefore, let's just accept the number and put a multiple on it. Yeah, I'm getting frustrated with that. And now, David, do you know what happens if the Fed says, you know what, you can do what you want? They'll, They'll get back 100% of the profits. Yeah. And then what are you going to see? I mean, and yes, they're going to see uh, co- clients, but not, you know, geez, why don't they, why don't, David, they can just give a dividend the way that it would be monster dividend. Uh, yeah, Carl, I mean, they did, they had 2.7 billion of share repurchases during this last quarter and 448 million paid in dividends to Jim's point. But given what they're generating, you could imagine a lot more than that. In the future, the stock is up a bit. We'll we'll keep a close eye on these shares and J.P. Morgan. We've also got Wells out um, as well, uh, Carl, to, to keep an eye on. As hey, we start you know what Wells is, David? Tell me what you know, Wells is. I've got is. a wrap on Wells. Give me a wrap. Give it to me. My, what is it? My wrap on Wells. It's been out for four quarters. Yeah. Not as bad as it used to be. Okay. That's what I think that Charlie should start with. Charlie Sharf. Here we wait. You know, we just reported earnings. Not as bad as we used to be. And then just you go into the next bank. No, David. It's a good tagline. Yeah. Why not? Not as bad as we used right. to be. And by the way, we're not as bad as we used to be. There you go. So let's buy the stock on that. Okay. All right. Were you talking about us? We're not as bad as we used to be? No, they're oh. not as bad as they used oh. to be. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Charlie, I mean, Charlie Sharp, that's what, he's, that's what he should say. He said, you know, we, we looked at the numbers and everybody should realize, you know what? We were terrible. And now we're not terrible anymore. There you go. That, there's a thesis. Carl, what can I say? When you're really bad and then you report better numbers, people like that. When you're really good, like J.P. Morgan, and you report great numbers, people yawn. They yawn. I don't know, Carl. I'm not yawning. I'm, I'm impressed when you make that much money per um, quarter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, as we've said before, guys, this is how a lot of earnings season starts. Um, the, the investors are convinced that the capital markets gains can never be sustained. And um, certainly net interest income was a more challenging story. But we'll see what happens as we work our way further into the quarter. Certainly a healthy diet of results to get us started on this Wednesday. When we come back, lots of calls on Google, on Facebook, on Apple, on Lowe's, on ExxonMobil, Snap. We'll get to all of that uh, as, lo- as well as a continued look at J&J and Coinbase. Back in a minute. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? 
Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Moderna is up in the pre-market. Companies out with some new data showing uh, 90% efficacy against the virus, up to 95 against severe disease, up to six months after the second dose. Meantime, uh, Bansell was on uh, Squawk Box this morning talking about the J&J pause. Here's what he told our Meg Terrell. This is yet another proof to the American people that we have the best regulatory agency in the world and they care deeply about the scientific uh, and medical safety of a product, the FDA will not hesitate to be very cautious, to analyze the data, to take the time required to do so, to protect the safety of the American people. Uh, Jim, uh, uh, Pfizer, of course, uh, is going to ramp up production, deliver 10 percent more than they said they were going to by the end of May to the U.S. And then more uh, feedback from uh, Morgan Stanley, for example. Updated simulations suggest U.S. can still vaccinate the entire population 12 years and up by midsummer. Question, of course, is will we? Look, I think we're now starting to get to places that uh, where people may not want uh, to get vaccinated. I agree with David yesterday. He was talking about the J&J news. Just makes a lot of people say, wait a second. Uh, I don't want a blood clot, e- even though, of course, they, they should. The, the, the uh, geez, I wish that they would make a point, the CDC, that this is One uh, in a, million. a highly unusual, unlikely. So, David, I mean, to me, I'm glad I got the Moderna. How about that? Yeah, I guess me too. But I wouldn't have worried if I got J&J. And, and I think your point's a good one. And I, no! I think that's the key question. It's one in a million. Uh, Now, uh, you know, the understanding of what happened yesterday really is to give doctors an opportunity to understand how to treat this uh, if it occurs, because some of what they were doing apparently was actually the typical treatment, which it should not be if, in fact, you do see some clotting in somebody who gets uh, who who has gotten the J&J vaccine. Again, six cases and six point eight million shots. You do still wonder, is it is it is it actually going to be more harmful as a result of, um, uh, of of giving people pause? Uh, overall in terms of getting the vaccine. Look, David, uh, they have four million uh, and change vaccines coming from the Netherlands because the plant in Baltimore is not working. They've got about 25 million sitting in Baltimore. If the uh, CDC, if the FDA would give them a green light, Uh, obviously, I think they're usually in the penalty box. I I don't know whether whether any regulator is going to say, you know what, let's just roll here because they don't have a lot. Because because emergent bio screwed up. You know, Carl, I wish that there was a better uh, narrative. How about this narrative? Emergent bio, bio completely screwed out, screwed up. J&J had basically outsourced it to, to uh, emergent bio. They were on mad money twice. They were the most confident. They were talking about much more 
uh, many more vaccines than we're hearing. And Emergent Bio has basically gotten away with, uh, I mean, no one's even talking about the fact that they completely screwed up what could have been a very smooth rollout. So I just call them out. And I wish they were called out, not J&J. Yeah, uh, some have used it, Jim, as a way to explain uh, how little reserve manufacturing in general there is uh, in the United States. I'll tell you one thing, Jim. Uh, Goldman had a note uh, last night, I think, where they're basically acknowledging how much is now riding on mRNA. Uh, the biggest risk to our developed market vaccination timeline would be safety events for the mRNA vaccine. So we are now counting on them more than before. I think Bansell is remarkable. I mean, I, I think this is a guy, we got to start thinking about this guy as Nobel Prize. David, does it, impre- does it impress you as a guy who should get the Nobel Prize? Uh, something should be done here. The science, it's, I mean, a year ago even to imagine where we are now, uh, it was hard to. Um, and, you know, you, you have to continue to, Carl, wonder, well, okay, we have this new technology. It is the a result of so many advances that have taken place in different parts of science over the last decade. What next? Uh, there are other breakthroughs that, that hopefully will come as well. Yeah, Ben Sill talked about what they think they're going to be able to do, even with very complex proteins, which could usher in a completely new era. That's pretty amazing. Uh, we'll take a break here, uh, get an opening bell in about eight minutes. Don't go anywhere. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. What is the future for Bitcoin? It's literally now the $64,000 question as Bitcoin is above 64K on what many argue is a landmark day for crypto as Coinbase has its direct listing at the NASDAQ. We're going to watch that this morning. Reference price 250. We are back in a minute. It's been a while since we heard that music. Uh, Jim, Coles is out with... Um with uh, a settlement this morning with the activist investors who owned over 9% of the stock, three new directors increasing the buyback, uh, and it's news worth discussing with you on the Mad Dash. Huge win. Huge win for John Duskett. I mean, gee, you got Tom Kingsbury, the man who really took Burlington to the uh, sky, to the moon, I guess, if you want to do a little YOLO action. And David, Margaret Jenkins, uh, from, she's from City, uh, City Trends, which is a Duskin name. That's, again, this Marcellus capital is John Duskin. And then I like the idea, I, I've, I've got to tell you, Christine Day from, yeah. from, uh, from, you know, from, you're talking about Christine Day, complete From Lululemon, right? Uh, Lulu. Yeah. So, you know, so I just think this is remarkable. Frank Sicka, don't know him, 69-year-old. Remember uh, Bird? I mean, you know, Safeway. I mean, look, you got real power people coming in. You got a gigantic buyback. It is a, a gigantic win for a situation that, frankly, moved up big the moment that the uh, activists even appeared. Activists win, shareholders win, uh, and I think the company wins. So I'm very in favor of what's just happened. If, yeah. you, if you're long coals, congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, it's uh, selling capital really doing a lot of good things. Significant board refresh there, as you say. Uh, And Carl, you know, it is interesting to see an activist get involved in a stock that was already up. And as you can see, has had an incredible year. Um, Of course, 
Jim was kind of negative for a while. You got more positive lately. Oh, right. oh <laughs> yeah, I got more positive. David. You did. You got more positive. You know, I, I, <laughs> you did. I, I I'm wearing close socks. I got more positive. Thank you. Thank you. Because, you know, I, I got it's, more positive. It, it's, like, much more positive. For a while, though. For a while, I think you were considering Michelle for a certain wall of shame, yeah. but uh, well said, Jim. Well, um, there's the opening bell, yeah, guys. Um, but when it got NASDAQ. down to 20, you know. <laughs> <laughs> at the NASDAQ, uh, it is Coinbase, of course, uh, direct listing. Uh, they're doing this countdown, guys, of uh, 21 seconds, symbolizing the 21 million Bitcoin that can be mined at the big board. Uh, True shares celebrating the launch of a line of ETFs. Jim, it kind of reminds us of a couple other headlines in retail. One was uh, Bed Bath, uh, 40 cents beats 35, comps up four. And then Stitch Fix, as Katrina Lake is going to move to executive chair. Yeah, look, uh, Bed Bath was taken up by the Reddit mob uh, because there was a giant short uh, squeeze. That was a little ridiculous. I mean, geez, uh, Tritton had just got there. Uh, Tritton's doing a very good job. Uh, Courtney interviewed him this morning. I think he stuck with a stock that was too high versus the turnaround. 4% comps. I thought that was terrific. When it, it comes to Stitch Fix, well, what can I say? Uh, uh, Katrina did a, uh, an amazing job. And I just feel like, well, what's happened here is it went up a lot. And again, why? Short squeeze. David, remember the period where short squeezes were the principal reason why stocks went up? Bed Bath and Stitch Fix were short squeezes. And Triton did a great job. And Katrina did a great job. So maybe we ought to start thinking that maybe the stocks got too high because of the mob, David, because of the mob who came in with pitchforks. They came in with machetes. Yeah. Right, David? Yes, they did. David? Although although when I think of, of short squeezes now, I think of Arcagos, which, of course, does not fit what you were just describing. It was an enormous family office run by a gentleman who had a very strong right. reputation, uh, at least for being a good investor, who, I don't know, right. apparently kind of went crazy. My words. Well, hold it just a sec, because we're, we're finding um, out the Credit Suisse yes, took uh, a position in Discover. They must have really liked it, right, because yeah. they held on to it. Well, I mean, listen, for a lot, for quite a while, it was really working in Discovery and Viacom for Arcagos. And the reason we're mentioning <laughs> this again is because it does appear that they have finally, finally sold out of everything that was left in terms of liquidating uh, from the swaps uh, and the positions that went bad uh, Credit Suisse already having taken a $4.7 billion write-down, fired people. One would have thought they were already past it. But late yesterday, we reported, oh, no, 22 million uh, Discovery C's for sale. I think it was 19 million of the A's. They got done, Jim. It got done. But again, you know, yeah. uh, you had plenty of people in there shorting the stock who finally gave it up as it went up over 100 percent. Viacom went up well over 100 percent. Both have come down sharply, though Discovery has held up better. Um, let me just tell you where those got done. They're written down somewhere. Yeah, 3235 is what I have. It got done on the C's and 3840. There it is on the uh, on the A's. You can see you're already bouncing off of where they where they finally Sold that. But I mean, uh, you know, to expect that yesterday you'd see right. even more, another billion, I don't know, billion and a half dollars worth of stock, Jim. It just it's it's quite a story. Well, I think that also at this point, textbook about how not to handle when you get stuck. Uh, Goldman Sachs, remember when they dumped all theirs that they got from the, uh, this firm? Yes. Uh, Credit Suisse, were they playing the market? I mean, I don't know. One of the things that Goldman always taught me was it's a dry cleaner. You take it in, you get rid of it as fast as possible. Uh, these guys were trying something else. And uh, 
I don't know, David, in the old days, I used to say they were stupid or chowder heads. You know, I, I used to be very derogatory. I, I dropped that entirely because I'm an ambassador of goodwill. You are. I think it was ill-advised the way they handled it. Yeah, it, 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 it would appear to be. Uh, and by the way, they're still suffering the ramifications at, at Credit Suisse, in, including the potential for, as you might imagine, people uh, leaving the firm. You know, you're talking about a lot of compensation based right. on their stock, uh, long-term compensation plan based on profitability, again in stock. Uh, it's a difficult time for them uh, at that firm, given what, what's going on, not just because of the loss, but because of potentially the loss of significant uh, staff as well, Carl. Um, but as for Arkegos and that, yeah. it does appear that was it. Um, although you can never say it with uh, complete certainty, because I haven't I talked know. to Mr. Wang. I don't know uh, exactly, but that, that is what I'm hearing, that those were the last of the Discovery shares. The last of the Viacom shares have been uh, disposed of. Nomura's out. UBS is out. Uh, CS is out, Morgan Stanley's out, Goldman Sachs, as Jim pointed out, got out before anybody else. They had identified it as a potential issue, I think, in a time to sort of have everything ready to go when they knew they had to pull the, pull the plug on yes. him. Um, but we'll still try to answer a lot of un- unanswered questions involving the overall story as we move along, Carl. Well, David, is it possible Scott? that Credit Suisse, they were mentally quarantined? Mentally quarantined. Uh, I'm trying to understand exactly what that would mean. It just means that there are certain areas in their mind they weren't allowed to travel to that might have allowed them to act in a more exactly uh, like their like their uh, this part manner. Yeah, you know this part, the cerebellum. Mm-hmm. The you know the uh, what is this over here? Yeah, they're, they didn't have that. Maybe maybe that was on vacation. I don't know what but, that um, is on there. I don't know, David. Mentally quarantined. Mentally quarantined. I Mentally like quarantined. that, Jim. Did you just coin that here, or is Thank that you. something I'm, you've been thinking about for a while? I coinbased it just now. You just I just coinbased coin it. it. Good for you. Well done. Yeah, I'm going to use it. it. I'm going to use oh. that one. Thank you. Uh, Son, I think you're mentally quarantined. It's better than ill-advised. I've overused ill-advised. I'm mentally quarantined. Carl, I don't know. I, if you're mentally quarantined, I don't really know how you run a firm. But you know what? It's good to be quarantined if there's a problem. Right? Uh, Self-quarantine. Yeah, Self-mentally quarantine. can compartmentalize like that. Uh, guys, we should probably mention uh, AP uh, led with a story a few moments ago that uh, Bernie Madoff had died in a federal prison. Uh, AP cited sources uh, that, uh, that he died from natural causes that CNBC has now confirmed. Uh, Jim just gives us a moment here to reflect on not just the Ponzi scheme that he orchestrated, and the incredible losses that he created for his victims, but the black eye that he gave financial services for a very long time. Yeah, I remember those days. I remember when I first discovered him. It was just shocking because he had a, I I don't want to say he had a great reputation, but I know there were a lot of people who were with him. Why? Because the returns were so uh, incredibly good and seemed a little bit out of whack with what uh, you could what you could get. David, I remember when J.P. Morgan tried to calculate whether you could actually earn what he did and they couldn't get get to that. Uh, the fall of David was really remarkable. And you started you started thinking, who do you trust? Don't you think? Yeah. And it came, of course, remember, it was what, December of oh. Eight, right. It was so we were in the midst of the financial crisis already oh. and it was yet just another blow. And of course, let's not forget uh, it was uh, it created tragic circumstances for countless people in terms of their finances who had invested right. with him for years. Uh, and the ramifications went on. Uh, f- the waves of, of what it caused uh, were uh, were very significant for many people in their lives, Carl. Um, you know, not a lot of love lost, as you might imagine, for Mr. Madoff, a tragic uh, story uh, for so many who suffered as a result of his actions. Um, 
dead at the age of 82. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, Jim, you're, what you're, happened, David, is that no, there was nobody about, else. He was isolated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, what's interesting, right? Carl, is I still hear stories about people who you know, I heard one last night. I don't think I can share it fully, but the people who are trying to replicate his strategy, who left the business in part because there was this guy down the street who had some option strategy. And I and I, and I just can't beat him. I just can't beat him. I don't know why. So I'm out of right. here. Right. Uh, and, you know, that's uh, that story has been told many times. And, of course, the I guess the in the the inability to see what was right in front of many people in terms of uh, in terms of his Ponzi scheme uh, and or his fraud. Remember the scheme. I mean, it went on for years, but it was only towards the end as a result of losses suffered uh, in the financial crisis, his inability to bring in new money to continue to pay out old uh, to pay out people is what finally brought it down. But as we all know, it went on for so many years, and it's, uh, uh, it's still a staggering story to, 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 to revisit. And, of course, there are still many people who are suffering from having lost everything uh, as a result of, of Mr. Madoff's deceit. Yeah, David, the, um, the, it's hard to fathom the greed and the, uh, the ability to discount the suffering that he probably knew was coming one day. Uh, that this was not going to be sustainable over the long term. Jim, I remember the morning um, where the news of his arrest uh, broke, and immediately uh, we were flooded on Squawk uh, with uh, comments from people, as you mentioned, saying, I knew it. I knew it because there was no way that, that the consistency of those returns could have been real. Yeah, I, I know when J.P. Morgan uh, calculated it, it was just, well, Look, guys, it's too good to be true. But there are people who are always so hopeful. Uh, there are people who always just say, you know what? Uh, no, I'm with a genius. Uh, this guy is a legitimate genius. He's been a genius. You get these steady returns because he has a method that we don't understand. David, you mentioned with options. We don't understand it, but he's a genius. Remember, how many times did you hear that this man was an unbelievable investor? And, and David, it did. You're absolutely right. There was a lot of a lot of. Uh, a lot of people saying, look, I can't do it. There's a lot of schadenfreude, of course, when he was caught. Yeah. I mean, people would borrow to put money in uh, to his fund, being able to get right. access. Remember how we would keep it so exclusive. He was the ultimate. I mean, we call it a Ponzi scheme, but really it should have been renamed after Madoff uh, because he was the ultimate. You're absolutely right. He was the ultimate uh, scheme. And it was, you know, again, I can remember those early days of understanding or of trying to get our hands around what was going on in terms of the fraud itself. And having, frankly, Jim, you know, known of this firm, but it had no real profile uh, in the markets. And so it was not I'd never dealt with him, never spoken to him, actually, which I always found a, a bit odd, given, you know, his prominence in some way. And yet still underestimated the size of the fund. Remember when we suddenly started to learn and there were the fund of funds that it basically were just feeders for him. Uh, but do you remember the the how stunned we all were when we wait a second. I thought there was a five billion dollar fund. Wait, what? Twenty third. How big is this thing? Uh, David, I knew probably 10 people in it. Uh, and some of them have been saying, look, it's too good to be true. But I got to take something off the table. But the people I knew mostly were saying, hey, look, everyone else is an idiot. This guy has the magic touch. Or now, David, they would say the diamond hands. You know what I mean? Yeah, the diamond hands. Yeah, wait. Diamond hands. Yeah, diamond hands. Give, give it the program, David. Sorry. Sorry. I'm mentally quarantined program. right now. So. 
But Bobo's you're right. Ponzi, Ponzi had nothing on Madoff. No. From now on, it's Madoff scheme. It, it, no? Nothing. No? No. It's a Madoff. YOLO? Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. It's a Madoff. Yeah. Carl, both, uh, both his sons, of course, have passed away as well. Um, I believe his wife is still, uh, is still alive. Back to you. Yeah, no, it's an Amer- American tragedy all, all the way around. Um, guys, in general, uh, reopening trade, getting a bounce back. Energy's up almost 2%. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Morning, Bob. Yeah, sort of a flattish day. Energy is the big mover. Let's take a look at the sectors, but it's not really the sectors that are important. It's the bank earnings and, of course, Coinbase that matters here. Energy up, as Carl mentioned, uh, materials, industrials, tech on the flat side. But as I said, the key story here is just, number one, those bank earnings. And I'm talking like eye-popping numbers. We uh, 80% above estimates for Goldman Sachs, uh, more than 50, 60% for J.P. Morgan uh, and Wells Fargo. These are numbers. And the trading... Uh, uh, numbers were astonishing. Just let me show you Goldman Sachs's uh, trading numbers here. 3.89 billion on fixed income, 3.69 billion on equities. That's uh, those equity numbers. That's 50% higher than the analyst estimates. The the fixed income was 30% higher. These are really eye-popping numbers. Here's the problem I've got with all these astonishingly great numbers. It's hard to move the stocks these days. Uh you you've got peak earnings revisions. They've been estimating the numbers are up and uh, this obviously is a good number. Uh but we We've got peak monetary stimulus, peak fiscal stimulus. A lot of people are worried, like, how are you going to move the stocks forward? And here you see this sort of modest move in Goldman with these amazing numbers. What happens when everybody else reports numbers that are good, but everybody goes, ah, it's going to be hard to move the market. That's the big issue for earnings season. I'll have more to say to that as we uh, get into the heart of earnings season. But uh, if you look at the volumes, too, on trading, they've been going down. March was lower than February, and, and April is so far has been lower uh, then March here, cash equities down about 28% for the volumes. And again, we're only halfway through. But uh, equity options, uh, as you see here, down 13%. You see these numbers to the downside. So uh, a lot of the retail crescendo has already happened here. Everything else is about Coinbase today. Obviously, it's going to take a while to get this thing going on uh, over at the NASDAQ. But you see these, these numbers here, the reference price here of $250. Everyone think we're going to open much, much higher. And that value $65 billion, That's ICE. That's the New York Stock exchange and ice right now amazing valuation here a lot of people think it'll open you know close to a hundred billion dollar value and when you're at a hundred billion you're in a pretty rarefied territory folks there's only 80 82 three companies in the s&p 500 with a valuation above eight a hundred billion dollars so essentially you're dealing with target and micron and goldman sachs is right around there and general electric is right around there and blackrock why am i bringing this up because it's possible coinbase could open right here in evaluation right in the company of these uh, uh, famous companies that exist. This is a mind-boggling valuation. It's hard to kind of get your head around the whole thing. Finally, I just want to note here, uh, we've been waiting for a long time for Gary Gensler uh, to be appointed the SEC chair. That's going to happen today. It's pretty pro forma. The Senate will vote on this at 11.45 a.m., and he's got a lot on his plate, and a lot of it is crypto. Uh, for him to deal with. He's going to have to deal with the Bitcoin ETF to approve it or not. It's been rejected time and again. This may be the year. We'll talk more about that. He's going to be very involved in regulation for crypto and fraud protection. He's made that 
very clear. Uh, we've got that GameStop fallout. I think there'll be a lot of discussion around particularly short sale disclosure and whether we should have one. A lot of people say it's time to do that. And GameStop was a good reason for that. And the Archegos fallouts, David was talking earlier, uh, there's going to be a lot closer look at regulations potentially for family offices because that's what Archegos was. And of course, there was no registration. And there's going to be a lot of talk about uh, doing something like that. And finally, of course, ESG, environmental, social and governments. A lot of discussion on climate change that's already been uh, made very clear under Alison Heron Lee, who was a uh, uh, has been uh, running things uh, while he's uh, been waiting for his confirmation, of course, all about how corporate actions uh, may be affecting the climate. A lot on Gary Gensler's plate. But as of today, late today, he should be the SEC chairman. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob. In addition to all of that, a lot of Fed speak today. Kaplan's on the tape. Williams, Clarida and Powell at noon. Let's get to Rick. Yes, Carl, definitely. And I'm sure they're all going to be addressing inflation in one way or another. And this morning, well, interest rates are moving up a bit. And one of the reasons, yes, you guessed it, inflation. Let's look at some of these charts. Uh, export uh, uh, prices, ex-petroleum prices on month-over-month month import up nine-tenths of one percent. The same as in January of this year. But if you look at the chart, in order to find a higher number, you have to go back 13 years. Year-over-year year import prices up 6.9 for March, nine-and-a-half-year high. Year-over-year year export prices up 9.1%, almost a 10-year high. Call it transient, call it whatever you like, but the reality is it's starting to hit home. It's hitting on not only shores here, but globally, and many large countries like China are going to be exporting us a little bit more. But... Transient or not, it's probably the only way to cure some of the debt issues that plague the world. Inflate out of it, and that seems to be the uncontested way we're proceeding. And if you look at the intraday I reference, you can see that 10-year note yields have started to pop up since 8.30 Eastern. And if you go out one week, you can see we're clearly chipping away at lower support, so there was some selling pressure, but the auction, especially yesterday's very solid 30-year bond auction for $24 billion, seemed to change the tide a little bit, along with some of these data points I've referenced. And if you look at what's going on with the dollar index, a very similar scenario is both moving the same direction. The dollar index closed here. It'll be a three-and-a-half-week closing low. We know that once we started to close under 92, a lot of position reversals putting selling pressure in that arena. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you very much, Rick Santelli. Later this morning on Tech Check, uh, do not miss our interview with Slack CEO Stuart Butterfield. Obviously, so much to talk with him about. In the meantime, the Open has the makings of an inside day. S&P's a little positive here, 41.45, although we've got 13 straight days of a gain from open to close. Thanks, Bespoke. We're back in a minute. It's the $64,000 question. 
Get ready for a lot of $64,000 question jokes today. Uh, Bitcoin did cross it earlier this morning, I think slightly south of it right now, Jim. Obviously, it's being asked because of Coinbase, is this a landmark day? Is this the Netscape moment for crypto, as Mike Novogratz said on Squawk? I don't know if you saw uh, the fund manager survey over at B of A this week. They asked, is Bitcoin a bubble? And it came back 74, 16, yes. Wow. Uh, I don't think it is. Uh, look, I think that this is, you know, short term. I think people want to be in uh, Bitcoin because they just feel like, well, how could it not go up on a day like when uh, this stock Coinbase probably opens up much higher than the reference point? I would say, David, can you comment on this to me? Where know. are the sellers? Where are they? No, I've got they? nothing for you there. Again, I'm trying. But, like, shouldn't I'm there be people who want to take profits? Does no one ever take profits? I don't know. I it's mean, I guess they do. It's I. I yeah, it's a good question. I don't know where where they are, Jim. Uh, it's not a market that I well, have followed over uh, particularly closely. There's been plenty of other things to occupy our time. Um, but I am going to be following this offering closely because, you know, to Bob Pisani's points on market cap. Jim, what if this thing has a market value that exceeds that of Goldman Sachs? You know, a firm. Uh, by the way, stock is nicely well, up three percent on those earnings that we talked about earlier. But what if it's above $115 billion market value? I mean, a company that didn't exist in the financial services industry, broadly speaking, going to surpass one of the great franchises of all time? David PayPal, $321 yeah. billion, dollars, That's right? True. I mean, yep. is that accurate? I mean, of like, square, David. I mean, how about Square? How about $123 square? Billion. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Square has a little bit of crypto to it. If you're Fidelity right now, okay, Fido, David, you know what you're saying? Look, we can't own crypto, but we got to show that we understand what crypto is. How about we go by Coinbase? But, you know, in to, meantime, to your the point, insiders I mean, that I speak to a Coinbase, they're not sellers. Right. And PayPal's mm-hmm. got, a, you know, it's got a, a great trajectory. Obviously, it's an enormous market value. Do you think either one of those companies is overvalued? Uh, is, is the likes of Goldman Sachs undervalued? I mean, what, you know, where where do we come out here in terms okay. of trying to understand? I, I know they're very different businesses. Don't get me wrong, but but they no, are still Goldman's undervalued. I think yeah. it can earn Goldman can earn forty dollars. It should get at least a ten multiple, if not a twelve multiple. They'll be able to return capital once the Federal Reserve takes the jackboot off the Goldman Sachs neck. David, PayPal, Square, Coinbase—they're unregulated. They can do whatever they want. And when you're unregulated, you got the edge on the regulated. I'm so glad Goldman's actually up today because it was clean. So, David, I think it's one of those instances where the you know, sky's the limit. And by the way, the insiders I talked to at Coinbase, they don't want to sell either. I don't know. No sellers. Hey, hey, we got to find some sellers. OK, David, you and me. OK, Together, we'll find some sellers. I'll look for okay? them, Carl. I'll, uh, I'll go out and, and look for some sellers. I assume there will be at some point today. We'll see where this thing opens again. Carl, I don't know how many hours it'll be b- before we actually get an open. We'll be Is here all day, day game or uh, night whenever game? they want to get to it. <laughs> Jim, let's get to stop trading. What are you looking at? All right, a, a guy who was actually a friend of mine, Ron Shake, he started Panera. He then started a technology company for restaurants, and he sold it to Par. I think Par did a good job. I think they did a good job. Uh, no mental quarantine whatsoever with these two companies, Carl. Just right there with their brains on. It's a, it's a delight. That's my stock yeah, trading we've got for today. A, we've had a couple upgrades 
couple upgrades this week of uh, Chipotle, as I know you've noted, and uh, Yum today over at Argus. Oh. Jim, really quick, we got about a minute. Um, I know you, you had some interest in debunking the notion that inflation's out of control. Uh, J.P. Morgan yesterday did up their year-end forecast for core CPI, but doesn't sound like you're on board. No, look, we, the plastics up big because of uh, Superstorm Uri, and that has resonated throughout the system. It is true, some of the you know, copper's up, lumber's up. We did a deal with, with Canada, that would come down. Uh, look, oil is, is hanging around 60. I mean, that's not exploding. And I think that we all remember in 2015, uh, Janet Yellen was worried about inflation. It turned out to be soon after she hiked, uh, inflation broke. So I think Jay's playing it right again. No, but another guy who's not in mental quarantine. We got a lot of guys who, frankly, are out of quarantine. They're playing. My prediction, Carl, at Goldman Sachs, if you don't come to work, you're going to be embarrassed and mortified. They're going back to work or we're going to call their names out. Yeah, we're going to list their names. Not till September, probably. But yes. Yeah. Or you're just not going to work there yeah, anymore. Yeah, Solomon's I've got a making list. some yeah. comments. I have yeah. a list of 50... And- He's not alone. He's not alone. He's joined by any number of others. He may be out front, but there's plenty of frustration at this. Plenty. Jim, we'll see you at 6 p.m. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.